Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Speakers are fire. On this episode of the Heat Check, the NBA finally got off their ass and released the schedule. I've been asking. We've been calling for it. We know that they didn't want to do it because they don't know where Kevin Durant's going to go, and that has changed their entire course of plans. But here we are. We also get into the player who will single-handedly sink somewhere between four and eight teams this year just for the chance to draft him. And we also break down the latest tea about Ben Simmons and Tyler, my hero. Things are still popping in the streets all the way in August. Some say I am the only one right now making NBA podcasts. Everyone else has been on vacation. 2022-2023 season is here. So do me a favor and drop that beat. Rihanna should not happen, Spotify. How do we get CDs skipping on Spotify? Jesus, I just had PTSD from my high school years. Really quick, if you're old enough to have a CD, think about the last time you heard a song skip. And how that just messed up the entire vibe of your life and how we don't really have to deal with that anymore, except for when the internet goes down. So, just real quick. Uh, NBA season has 
the schedule has finally dropped. That means the NBA season is right around the corner, and we got it in. They like to do it like drugs, just a quick little slow trickle. First and foremost, they give you the Christmas Day slate. Get a couple of Christmas Day games. Interesting Election Day evening slate, which is just a wild new packaging of marketing here. Finally, key matchups before they drop the whole enchilada in our laps. Let's break it down. Christmas Day. Christmas Day has got to be the NBA's version of NFL on Thanksgiving. Full day of hoops. Is there someone over there that I don't know? Is there anybody over there? Oh, I thought you saw somebody. Christmas Day has become the NBA version of NFL Thanksgiving. Full day of basketball this year. Seven of the final eight teams alive in the playoffs last season got Christmas Day games. The odd man out is, of course, the most boring NBA team that is succeeding the Miami Heat, unfortunately. Poor Pat Riley. He makes the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times uh, in multiple years. Has a Jimmy Buckets three-pointer away from going back to the finals again. Can't even get a squeak. Can't even get a peep of the biggest day of the NBA season. Here's the Christmas Day rundown. 76ers, Knicks. I was going to wait for the full slate for me to tell you before I gave a reaction, but ugh. Ugh. Who wants to see that? Does anyone? Does anyone care about that team? No. That matchup is like the least asked for matchup. At least, like, give me the Atlanta Hawks versus the Knicks. I don't even care that they're good. Just at least the T. The Sixers versus the Knicks at MSG? Ugh, gross. Lakers at Mavericks. Why do the Lakers get a a, a Christmas Day game? They shouldn't. We need to, yeah, money, money. We need to stricken them from that. We need to strip them. Until you start making the playoffs, you can't get a Christmas Day game if you miss the fucking playoffs. What? I didn't even notice that until just now because I was so deep in the weeds in the full season. But that is not a game that anyone is circling on their schedule unless they're a diehard purple and gold fan of the Lakers. Suns at Nuggets. I guess. I mean, okay. That's fine. Like, that was the original Suns and Four guy. So maybe he'll show back up. I don't know what's happening here. But the final two, amazing. Bucks at Celtics, an Eastern Conference semi-matchup, went seven games. Some people are saying some people are saying that if Chris Middleton didn't go down, then the Bucks would have won and probably would have gone back to the finals, but not me. I, I am much too classy for that. But some are saying that now we get to see what a real matchup looks like with a fully Milwaukee team versus a fully baked Celtics team. Also... Really fun, considering that maybe Kevin Durant is there at this point. Who knows? Not sure. And then finally, the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Warriors. I am so excited to see a fully healthy John Morant play. This Warriors team at Chase Center. This is the game we have all been hoping for and praying for and waiting for. So John Morant and the Warriors, well, really the Memphis Grizzlies and the Warriors out as a whole, have been going back and forth all offseason, creating a little drama between the two. 
there's a rivalry. They're saying John Morant is saying that the Warriors uh, have a spot in their heads. The Memphis Grizzlies live in their heads rent-free. You've got issues with Klay Thompson and Jaron Jackson Jr. going back and forth on Twitter. I wondered, everyone's wondering, will these two teams get the NBA Christmas Day game like Jaw was saying? Yes, they did. And John Morant tweeted at at Draymond afterwards and said, we got what we wanted, Dre. Draymond responded, that's the power of your voice, young king. Let's go. Bring the fam to the crib for dinner after. If you think things are nicey-nicey between these two teams because they had a little nice Twitter exchange, remember that the Grizz have this quote from Draymond plastered on a chalkboard inside of their weight room that says, quote, Memphis is going to get their reality check. And then they have tally marks right next to it. I don't know what that means. It's probably like PR or like weight, how many 500-pound reps Ja Morant did. It's like 75 on the tally chart. It's going to be the best game on the slate. I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to go to this game. One, because I love the Memphis Grizzlies. Two, because I have a Warriors finals ticket already in my pocket. Two, Warriors fans hate me. So why not show up at Chase Center, see how it feels to be there since the Suns and Four 9-1 fiasco all went down. I love this for both teams. New sneaky rivalry, I think, will continue to persist throughout time. Super fun schedule outside of the whole Knicks and the Suns Nuggets thing. Opening night games are going to be fun as well. Here's a sample of what we have to look forward to. Here are some select games that I picked out. Uh, Phoenix at Dallas is October 19th. The last time that we saw these two teams play, the entire Phoenix Suns roster had COVID, and nobody knew. Um, Monty Williams was throwing DeAndre Ayton underneath the bus with low-key shady comments. The world thought DeAndre Ayton would never be in a Suns uniform ever again. And things seemed to spiral. The championship window started to close for the Phoenix Suns after this game, Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks. And now, at least we know, Suns are running it back one more time. The Mavs have no Jalen Brunson, so now it's a steady dose of probably Luka is, let's be honest, 60 pounds lighter now than he was coming into camp last year because he came in 30 pounds heavier than he was supposed to be at the start of camp, they said, last year. And now he's probably 20 to 25, 30 pounds lighter than he was at the start or at peak season. So you're talking about a 60-pound swing for Luka Doncic. What's that mean? Nightmares for the rest of the league is what that means. That means Luka Doncic is going to win MVP. If we've only seen fat, fluffy, eating Croatian sweet treat Luka hanging on the beach, and now Luka's taking his freaking training seriously? Luke is going to set the world on fire. I tell you what, that's going to be a game. You might, when I give you this matchup, you're going to wonder why I even said it. Portland at Sacramento, October 19th. What a wild opener. This is like, like, no one cares about us, Portland Trailblazers. No one cares. I love Sacramento. I do. I've said so many positive things about Sacramento. I'm rooting for them. They're the little engine that won't. And, and, and I'm really hoping that they turn things around. No shade to Sacktown. But when you have to play the Kings on opening night, 
it's bad in the streets for your team. The Blazers and the Kings, they were just the last two teams left after the NBA picked their opening night matchups. It was like, oh, who's left? Kings, Blazers. Sounds fine. They're in the same division that nobody even knows exists. I bet you don't even know that the Northwest Division exists in the NBA and that the winner of the Northwest Division gets something that will be decided at a later date. It's true. The sad part is the Blazers played the Utah Jazz last year on opening night, the number one overall seed in the prior year. That's how far the Blazers have fallen. Damian Lillard just gets a little stomach injury, and all of a sudden things come rolling down. That is the effects of tanking. You are now an irrelevant team. You decided to go after, oh, yeah, how many games into the season, by the way, do you think it takes for us to see Shaden Sharp? All that that tanking yielded us. If you want to say maybe I'm pessimistic, maybe I am. But that is a shady-ass matchup for a team that has been to the playoffs every year outside of last year for like the last two decades. Celtics at home against the 76ers on October 18th. Kind of a low-key little rivalry between these two teams. And maybe maybe we'll see KD and Kelly Green then. If, if that's the case, we're going to see Kevin Durant facing his new bestie, James Harden. He's been parlaying in Europe with him all, year, all summer. He's been in London. He's been in San Tropez. They're going to soccer matches. They're seeing new movies and concerts. Travis Scott. I thought Travis Scott was canceled. What happened to that? Anyway, game's going to be out outrageous, through the roof. New York at Memphis, opening night, October 19th. Someone said, oh, look, Memphis gets a bye week. Bye week. That's rude. That's not even anything I would ever say, but that's funny. So I figured I would make mention of it on the podcast. I like Brunson on the Knicks. Here's a little, here's a little uh, inside behind the curtain. So I met up with a couple of people. I'm not going to say who, but I met up with a couple of prominent people on the Knicks. And I was like, oh, love the Brunson pickup. That's awesome. Good stuff there. Any, do you think anything else is going to come down the horizon? What's happening there? And they were like, got to get Tibbs some more talent on this team. Have they added more talent since then? No. They have not. Do they feel, if you're looking at it and you say, are the New York Knicks satisfied with this current roster? Absolutely fucking not. And the Memphis Grizzlies are a wagon. This is going to be an absolute beatdown. But remember, New York looked good. Remember, bing bong, bing bong, early, early season Knicks or something to behold. So maybe this is a spot where the Knicks can actually get one as, as underdogs. New, New Orleans at Brooklyn is October 19th. They're billing this game. This is how you know it's just. They're billing this as Zion versus Ben Simmons. That just tells you everything you need to know about the state of the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons? They're, they're, they're marketing. We're marketing Ben Simmons now? Does anyone actually believe that Zion or Ben Simmons is even going to play in these, this game? What? Don't even get me started on the fact that Zion is now telling the world that we bullied him because he can't be in shape. And he went to a dark place, which we know just leads him to eating more and being less in shape. If you don't want people to point out that you're 375 pounds, maybe don't be 375 pounds. 
and be a professional athlete. Be a professional eater. Miami at Chicago, October 19th. This is a boring matchup. Unfortunately, that's a hit. I I so want to be excited about this matchup, but they are just not really that exciting. I had two weeks where I liked the Bulls when DeRozan was hitting game winners and they looked like they could be fun and Lonzo Ball had two functioning knees and Alex Caruso hadn't had a concussion yet and Vucevic wasn't a defensive liability or at least we didn't know how bad he was. I mean, I don't even know why this is an opening. This is this is the, I guess, second-tier level of the shady matchup between Sacramento and Portland. Like, this is about as exciting as that to me. I might even watch Sacramento-Portland over this, truthfully. Lakers at Clippers, October 20th. Kawhi's return is against A.D., LeBron, and perhaps Russ. It's a perhaps. Maybe he'll be, hey, you should maybe sit sit these out for a little while. We're working on some things in the back burner. Just don't bring any attention, but just maybe take a vacation like Tom Brady did in the beginning of training camp. They, I like that they open against each other because they do this every year, and that means no travel for either one of them. It's like the one shortcut loophole that they each have. How many times do they need to do this? I don't know. Should be a fun game for the Clippers. Not so fun. This is the smack your face matchup for the Lakers. Like, oh, shit, we really don't got it like that. Question that I have is how many more games will it take for Anthony Davis to be in street clothes? Yeah, like game four. Games, maybe, that, maybe this game. Maybe he'll take a hard fall and he'll be in street clothes by halftime. Milwaukee at Philadelphia, October 20th. These last two opening games are pretty exciting on, on October 20th. TNT headlined by Bucks and Sixers. I'm really excited to see if James Harden is fitting into his warm-up suit. I am Excited to see whether Joel Embiid is fully healthy, how he's feel after being snubbed from the French national team in the summer. So that's a fun matchup as well. Other key matchup dates to circle on your calendar. Orlando at Atlanta is October 21st. So you might say, why is that a key matchup? This is how you know that the league lies to us when they say they don't want drama. They don't want any drama. They just want to focus on the games. They just want to make sure that we highlight the elite athleticism from these young players. Why do we have to make everything about storylines? I mean, you're lying. It's DeJounte versus Paolo. After DeJounte and Paolo get into some little scuffle in the middle of a pro-am, and then they go back and forth on Twitter and Instagram and all the little social media apps, You don't want to wait for this little thing to cool off? No. You want to stoke the fire and have them play the first weekend of the NBA season so that everybody can talk about it. We can put it on our little pregame panels. Probably TNT, Charles Barkley making fun of Paolo, making fun of DeJounte. Two Pacific Northwest guys from Seattle have never accomplished anything uh, yet in the NBA level, and all of a sudden they want to, like, create something. The league is the drama. Am I the drama? I don't think I'm the drama. Yes. Yes, Adam Silver, you are. Utah at Minnesota, the Rudy Gobert revenge game. Example number two of the league deciding to capitalize on drama, yes. Like, is Donovan Mitchell still playing? 
If Donovan Mitchell is still playing for the Utah Jazz at this moment, that will be an electric factory. Those two going after each other, Rudy Gobert hard fouling Donovan Mitchell in the paint, talking about how he never passed to him, so many opportunities for jokes. Maybe Donovan Mitchell's not going to be there, but I really, really hope he is. Houston versus Dallas, November 16. People are billing this the Christian Wood revenge game. I actually don't know if this is a key date. I just thought I would, I, I thought I would label it the Christian Wood revenge game. Boban's return to Dallas. He was a beloved figure for the Mavs. I mean, there's not going to be many, many dates that you want to circle on your calendar of the Houston Rockets. They will be fun. They will not win many games. They'll probably be fun to, like, a little league pass team, but they're not going to accomplish much. We'll talk more about them in the Victor Wambanyama sweepstakes in a bit. Brooklyn at Philadelphia, November 22nd. Yes. Ben Simmons' return to Philadelphia. This is a game I might go to. It's a game I might have to pull up in a Ben Simmons jersey, Philadelphia Ben Simmons jersey, and see what's up. Hostile environment in Philly. I don't know if he'll make the trip ever to Philly. I, if I was him, I would always schedule doctor's appointments for or dentists or dentist appointments for these dates. Like I have a toothache, I have to go see my orthodontist. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Was really looking forward to it. I would be shocked to see him at this game. I've said this story a million times. I asked Ben Simmons one question about him and his relationship with Kendall Jenner, and he literally picked up his suitcase and he left. There's no shot he's there, right? The odds on Ben Simmons playing in this game at Wells Fargo Arena, it's got to be like plus 450. I'll give you five to one odds of this. Clippers at Golden State, November 23rd. Probably a, a preview of the Western Conference Finals. These two teams have three of the two of the three best odds to win it all. Golden State plus 600, Clippers plus 700 to win it all. Yes, it is true. So that's going to be a really fun game. I can't wait to see Paul George. I can't wait to see Kawhi. And all of the depth that they've added since Kawhi went down with Norm Powell and Robert Covington and all those guys. Boston at Golden State is December 10th. NBA Finals return game. Kind of surprised this wasn't a Christmas Day game. But again, NBA is stoking the tea. And Memphis is a hotter matchup with Golden State than Boston. And if they were to do it, they would have had to play. Golden State would have had to play in Boston. And you can't have the defending champs play in Boston when, unless you're the Milwaukee Bucks. Because I think they did that last year. It's just a shady thing to do to a defending champ, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that. Heat play the Spurs in Mexico City, December 17th. The G League has a team right now in Mexico City this year. This is probably not a game I would travel to Mexico to watch, given that I've already referenced how boring the Heat are to watch play and that the Spurs are, even when they are elite, very boring, and now they are very boring and tanking. So probably not a game that you're going to circle on your calendar to travel to. But the league is also just an interesting wrinkle. Not going to have any games on Election Day this year. They are going to be playing on Monday on what the NBA is deeming a civic engagement night. 
that will encourage people to vote in the midterms. Kind of love that. The entire schedule, by the way, is downloadable in PDF form from NBA.com for both dates and by team. I would love to know. DM me. Get me on Twitter. What games are you guys looking forward to the most? Which games that I leave out? Uh, what team did you do you think has the least amount of nationally televised games that should have more? And who has re? Uh, it's the Lakers. We know that the Lakers have too many nationally. <laughs> and don't even answer. We know the Lakers have the most amount of nationally televised games that they show, do not deserve. But yes, check that out. Hopefully, seeing you at some of these games. I am so glad that the NBA season is fully here now that we have the schedule in play. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. There is a specter. Yes, a specter hanging over. That means something ominous. A specter hanging over the 2022-2023 season. I won't call it a dark cloud necessarily, unless you're a fan of about eight to ten teams. What am I talking about? What is this specter? It's a seven-foot-three Frenchman by way of Northern Africa named Victor Wambanyama. The tank for Victor is on. It has already impacted the upcoming NBA season in major ways. That's what I'm talking about. We're talking about the 18-year-old, 7-foot-4 French phenom who is universally proclaimed as the number one draft pick in the 2023 NBA draft. We're talking about a guy who many say has more hype and expectations than LeBron James did coming out of high school. NBA teams are already positioning themselves for the tank of the century to get him. So who is he? If you're a casual fan, not deep into the recruiting weeds, who is Wembenyama? Pretty much everyone who has been on the cover of sports magazines before ever stepping foot on the court, Victor Wambanyama has more hype than them. He's already becoming a household name on NBA chat shows who are breaking down his EuroLeague plays like it's the NBA Finals. Jalen Rose on Jalen and Jacoby just devoted an entire segment to who Victor Wembanyama compares himself to. Kent, it's not one player, it's two players. Kevin Durant and Giannis, which may be the most scary combination one could even imagine. One longtime NBA scout is on record saying he is the most intriguing long-term prospect in NBA history. The hype is immense. And he's got talent, immense talent. He's got handles like Chet Holmgren, a three-point shot he can hit from the logo like Steph Curry. 
a great passer who has moves around the basket. He can switch on defense on the perimeter. He has a mid-range jumper like DeMar DeRozan. He's a demon as a rim protector. Some people say that he's better on defense than Rudy Gobert is right now. He's got all the tools to be a generational player, and he doesn't turn 19 until January 2023. So how does this affect the league? One article suggests that Victor Wamayama is so good that as many as 10 teams might tank on purpose just for a 14% chance of landing the number one overall pick. We'll know more by All-Star break, but teams are already dismantling their rosters in an effort to put up as few wins as humanly possible this year. So who are the likeliest candidates to tank? Let's go into it. Number eight, Orlando. Orlando already drafted Paolo, but they are perennial losers. So you really can't rule anything out. They're not they don't have much goodwill built up around, around a fan base that, let's be honest, is dwindling by the second. But they already have this number one pick to build around in Paolo, who's another big that likes to play on the perimeter. So although they are number eight, I don't necessarily know. They might just mess around and get the number one pick on accident because that's how Orlando rolls. Number seven, OKC. Sam Presti's a wild card, man. I think he is trying to build something for the future and is willing to tank for as long as it takes to get that. If he decides that this year is not the year to make this exponential leap forward like the Grizz did a couple of years back, I think they are 100% in on the tank for Victor. Especially considering we'll know when guys go down with random bone bruises, random toenail clippings like Josh Giddy out with uh, a neck scratch. You know, you'll see that. Out for the year with a neck scratch, Josh Giddy. Detroit Pistons. So the Pistons have been tanking for like 10 years. So what's another year, right? It's fine. You got Jalen Duran. You got Sadiq Bey. You got Cade Cunningham. You got the kid out of Purdue, Jaden uh, Jalen Jaden Ivy. Excuse me. There's so many Jadens and Jalens. Forget them. But I don't think another year of losing by two or three for 15 straight games is bad for them. I don't think that's going to hurt their development at all. So they 100, percent I think, will target someone like Victor. If you add him to the roster that they already have, they could be dangerous. Number five is Indiana a relatively new team to the tank game. They don't quite understand why they need to do it, and I think their owner is not particularly excited about the fact that they have to, considering that they have legitimately fun and interesting pieces. But they're, they are in it. Let's be honest. They are a year away from being a year away. Would the fan base accept a real God-honest attempt at tanking like a like an audacious, disrespectful one like Portland put together last year? I think they would. For Victor, as the hype around Victor grows, the appetite for the tank will grow as well from the fan base. Pacers have a smart and dedicated following, and I think they would buy into the fact that they are 
multiple years away from truly competing in a very stacked Eastern Conference. The Pacers' front office is steady, they're smart, and if any team can successfully pull off a tank while not alienating their fan base, I think it's Indiana. Number four is a dark horse. Team's already a hot mess. It's the Washington Wizards. Sure, yeah. They're telling the world they want to win. They're telling Beal they want to win. Beal's telling the world he wants to win. But then look at the actions that they've made. Do those actions tell you that they're interested in competing? They're definitely circulating little rumors into the rumor mill that they're going after Donovan Mitchell, which we know they are not, that they are going after KD, which we know that they are not, that they may try to get Julius Randle as as a third team in the Kevin Durant trade, which would make absolutely, or the Donovan Mitchell trade, excuse me, which would make absolutely no sense. They're not trying to win next year. Seems like Tommy Shepard might be doing this on purpose. When you jacked Johnny Davis, a two-guard, to pair with your other two-guard, kind of feels like maybe you're not interested in competing anytime soon. Number three, Houston. What's another year of a rebuild post-Harden, really? I'm not sure if the Rockets are a 30-win team or a 20-win team or a 17-win team, but let's be honest, they're not a winning team. They've got a lot of fun pieces. If they get halfway through the season and have 12 wins, look for them to, like, let their foot slide all the way off the gas. Because it's not fully on the gas as it is. But, like, look, like you know how you get high and sometimes you forget you're driving and your foot slides off and you just realize you slow down and you look around and you're like, oh, I'm not moving? Yeah, that's the Houston Rockets right now. Number two and one, they're in a dead heat with one another. Utah. Utah is in the middle of an elite, sophisticated, world-class teardown. They only have Conley and Donovan Mitchell remaining, left to be ditched. If you think that they're not going to be, you are mistaken. Trader Danny Ainge's stockpiled an egregious number of first-rounders already. He is going to get as many as seven more first-round picks in the Donovan Mitchell trade. He's turning into Sam Presti overnight, isn't he? That will make him loaded in case the Jazz don't get the number one overall pick. Hey, I'll give you 10 first-round picks for the number one overall pick. That's how much he wants Victor. They can just simply overwhelm another team with assets. And, and then, in the news, start to sprinkle some negative things about Victor like they did about Jason Tatum. And all of a sudden, the team gets cold feet and says, you know what, it is 10 first-round picks. Besides, this team's going to suck no matter what. The league knows that. That's why the Jazz have gone from 14 nationally televised games last year to one this year against the Knicks. Even Adam Silver knows this team is fully in on the tank, and they are dog shit beyond dog shit. Number one is San Antonio. The preseason leaders in the clubhouse in the tank for Victor Competition are the San Antonio Spurs. They have cleared the decks of pretty much all of their talent, made it very easy to explain why they're looking at a probably like a 15 or 16 win season. You say in pop, we trust. Who would you trust more than the guy who already shepherded three international players to stardom, superstardom, in Duncan, Manu, and Parker? Do I think tanking for Victor is worth it is the question. 
My answer is maybe. Maybe. I do think, though, we should start to discuss, because it's August and it's the new cycle as we know it. Let's talk about some things Victor has wrong with him. Shall, shall we? Let's, let's pick this kid apart. <laughs> Who is Victor Wabanyamas? Because that's what we do. Can't hype him up. We try to crash him down. Who is his comp? He says it's Giannis and KD. But we've got to go back into history and find his real comp. All the way back to Ralph Sampson of Virginia. Seven feet three, number one overall pick in the 1983 draft. Had a fine career. Ended up in the Hall of Fame. In today's game, probably would have been much more impactful considering that he liked to shoot. And back then, that was kind of not a thing. Very conducive game to today's era. Four-time All-NBA in a nine-year career. Why was his career shortened? Well, seven feet three guys tend to get banged up. And here we go with the Victor Wambayama weaknesses, his bones. The idea of injuries make this pick very intriguing. Chet Holmgren had three games of success in the summer league, and now NBA scouts are like, see, you can be a toothpick and withstand the bang and bruising of today's NBA game in an 82-game season. Listen, fine, slim body, maybe it's viable. But the fact is, if you tank for Victor Wambayama and he's not healthy and his career is shortened like, say, Ralph Sampson, Sam Bowie, every other Blazers center that they've ever taken in history, it's a disaster. I'm telling you, it's a disaster. He only played 30, Victor Wambayama, 33 out of 76 games he's played this year. Missed the entire playoffs with a psoas injury. Add that to a shoulder contusion, a fractured finger, and a stress fracture to his tibia, and it makes you say, rot roll, Scooby? Could this man be the second coming of a skinnier Greg Oden? That has got to be very worrisome. Tibia fracture is the same injury that derailed a ton of big guys, ranging from Yao Ming, Greg Oden, and yes, even Sam Bowie. All of this means the specter of Wambayama will cast a very long shadow across the entire season. One thing is dead certain. To the loser goes the victor. Spotify is skipping. God damn it, Spotify. We're going to cut that song short. You know what? I can't handle this. We talked a little bit about Ben Simmons earlier. And I would be remiss not to mention the latest news, which is kind of the universe is undefeated. It's amazing. According to none other than Stephen A. Smith, Ben Simmons is ready and raring to go for the 2022-2023 season. On his return after a month off, Stephen A. said this on first take. By the way, a little news flash here. Ran into Ben Simmons on vacation. Pause. 
How? Where? Why? More, I need to know more about this. Anyway, we go on. He and I had a nice conversation. I support the brother. Had a problem with him not playing. That's the past. He's ready to go. He swears he's ready to go. Stephen A. Smith on one hand giveth, and on the other hand he taketh away. That's what he does. I support the brother. Had a problem with him not playing. He says he's ready to go. That's how he finesses us. First of all, I thought Stephen A. Smith took a month off for shoulder surgery. That's, this is like a Tom Brady situation where we're not quite sure why he left the building, how long he's going to be gone for, because the narrative around Stephen A. Smith, I thought, well, he, uh, now he's promoting a memoir, too? You've been busy, Stephen A. You're running into Ben Simmons, you're writing books, you're having shoulder surgeries, and you're enjoying your time off. You show up to the set in a periwinkle suit. What the fuck is going on? Anyway, apparently Ben is ready to go. What that means, we will see. He also made headlines, Ben Simmons, by coming to terms in his lawsuit against the Sixers over fines he incurred while sitting out while sitting out the past season. Philly fined him almost $400,000 per game beginning November 15, 2021. That is so much money. The Sixers have maintained that Ben breached his contract while Ben's camp argued that his mental health was the reason he could not participate in team activities. Did he just have back surgery again for like the third time? With the back and the brain? I don't know. Apparently all the health issues are behind him now. I sincerely hope we get to see Ben Simmons play basketball. I sincerely hope that he's figured out what hand he shoots with. I sincerely hope he figures out he's not a point guard and starts to figure out what his real role is on a team. Because the league is so much better when we have actual game film, current Ben Simmons game film, to make fun of, honestly. At least for me. At least for me. Yeah. Sober. God. Listen. Unless your name is Miles Turner, no one's name has been the subject of more trade rumors than Tyler Hero in Miami. Ever since he landed in Miami, he's been slotted in as the major piece in about every rumored mega deal that he'd have been involved in from Kyle Lowry to Kevin Durant. Turns out, he is immune to all of these rumors. The rumors do not bother him. He told Ira Winderman, I mean, every summer, that's just what it is. I mean, ever since I've been here, my name's been in rumors. Rumors, they don't bother me. I'm just getting ready for the season, whether I'm on the heat or somewhere else, I'm getting ready. As you go, get older and you have more years in the league, you realize this is what comes with the business. You could be in one, one city one day, the next city the next day. But at the end of the day, it's about me and getting better every single day. A lot of days in this quote. Like I said, what team I'm on, I'm going to be ready to play. This seems like um, a haiku. This is a quote haiku. <laughs> I don't know why I think that. It just feels like it is. You know what he sounds like? He sounds like a guy who hasn't even signed his max extension yet and does not want to sound like a wet towel, like a wet rag, getting all sad. You know how these people can be like, Tyler, come into our office. Come into our office, Tyler. You're, we know you're an elite talent. 
we just have to have you making sure that everything is messaged on the positive. Like, don't say you're worried about being traded. Say these things don't affect you and you're only being able to control what you can control. That's how you get the bag, Tyler. We're not ready to really offer you any money until you're able to be a team player and to be more positive in nature, Tyler. Do you understand? It's a tough game out here. That's how the Heat do it. Because, of course, once Tyler signs an extension, he becomes untradeable for an entire season. The deadline to trade Tyler is opening night, October 18th. The deadline to sign him is October 18th. He says, yeah, there's a deadline. I'm going to let my agent take care of it, and I'm going to see what happens. If you don't think that Tyler Hero is worried about whether he's getting his extension in two months from now, a little less, Miami can give him a five-year max deal worth 193 or a four-year deal a little less than the max. Or, or... They can make him a centerpiece of a Donovan Mitchell trade and let Danny Ainge decide if he's worth $35 million a year, which is what I think might just end up happening. That is all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. We also have an interview with Toronto Raptors coach Nick Nurse. Both parts of the Jerry West interview are up right now on the Heat Check feed. Please listen to those if you haven't. Please follow the Heat Check as we get ready for the new 2022-2023 NBA season. Please do not forget to download. Please do not forget to subscribe. And please tell all your friends. And follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. See you next time.